Welcome to Culture Illiterate. We were gonna have Sean do the intro read this time, but I don't want to make him read for the first time on this movie. This is a podcast where four longtime friends watch through every theatrically released Marvel and DC movie in order. And now more than ever, I think I'm grasping at straws as to why. I'm one of your hosts, Jake. I have trouble spelling the word separate. And with me are my co-hosts. I'm Jason, and I got a free Baja Blast from Taco Bell today. <laughs> Matt, that's your cue. I'm Matt, and I really don't want to talk about this movie. What a great fun fact. We're, we're getting really, we're really pumped up for this guy. <laughs> I'm you can so fucking, feel the I hate, energy. I hate, I hate this so much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean. Uh, you know, speaking of English words, I, I don't think I was ever taught in school the difference between the two effects, like effect with an oh, yeah. A and effect with an E. Oh, I still be so Googling that one every time. I've, I've, I didn't understand that that was a, that there was a difference between the two until I was like past high school. I know like what I, the difference is but i don't know which one is which you know what i mean i'm very bad with english and grammar like i um if i you guys would think i was such an idiot if i told you the things i have trouble with i i'm pretty good on grammar i'm pretty good at grammar who and whom fucks me up who who and whom oh that's was that a joke it was not a joke. <laughs> I responded that I was like, "Wait, is he fucking?" Like, <laughs> no, I, no, I just actually didn't hear you. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, um, I this one sucked the life out of me, boys. I don't have. Um, there wasn't enough alcohol to go around, and that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't in space tonight. We're recording on a week now. I didn't want to get fucked up. I also this movie's not bad isn't like the fun kind of bad enough to like justify getting fucked up for this i think um there were parts of it that were fun but most of it was bad um uh let's not beat around the bush if you don't know we're talking about if you're not keeping up talking about superman 3 released june 17th 1983 uh written by david and leslie newman directed by richard lester Shot by Robert Painter and music by Ken Thorne. Stars Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent slash Superman. Margot Kidder is technically in there as Lois Lane, but more prominently, uh, Ned O'Toole as Lana Lang. And of course, the incomparable Richard Pryor as Gus Gorman. Yeah. I think you could already tell how a lot of us feel about this movie. Well, listen, before we get into this, can I give a rec? Because... Please, please do. We're going to need to pad this one out, I think. Yeah, I figured um, we would, so I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> is it Watcher? Huh? Is it Watcher? Because I was just going to say real quick. No. Watcher. Okay, go for it then. Um, so Counterparts, who's a hardcore, metalcore kind of band from Canada, just released a new song and announced their new album. I'm forgetting what the album's titled, but it comes out in October. So as this comes out, this should be out before October. Yeah, so, this so that's what I was thinking. Wreck for the first time in the history of this podcast. Yeah, so the album should be coming out soon. By the time this al- this episode comes out, I highly the new song's very good. I highly recommend if you're into any kind of heavy music and you don't listen to counterparts you got to change that they're just i think the best at what they do right now so yeah like they kind of live in the kind of melodic hardcore metalcore kind of space so if you're into that kind of shit um i'd definitely recommend especially starting with their album tragedy will find us that's my personal favorite but all of their albums are very good so highly recommend all of them and especially the new shit coming out now i think this is going to be a really low energy podcast this no, may I, be a I, quick one. I'm bringing the thunder today. Bring it, bring it, please. That Baja Blast has gotten you. Tell us more about your Baja Blast, about counterparts, whatever Dude, you that want. shit was... Alright, listen, that shit made my day, because I'm coming home from work, I'm like, I need a Baja. I, I was just in the mood for it, and I go through the drive-thru, I'm like, give me a Baja. I don't even get any food, I just wanted a Baja, and... I pull up to the window, pull my money out, and that man says, don't worry about it, bro. And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, go ahead. And I was like, I could kiss you on the mouth right now. You're Jesus Christ himself in my eyes at the moment. Maybe he knew, as we're recording this, it's pride. Maybe he knew you're a fucking little queer boy. Maybe he did know I was a little fucking queer boy. Maybe he was also a little queer boy. I'm just imagining if, like... Jesus is turning your water into Baja. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus turning <laughs> oh, water Baja. into Baja. 
This is making me want Baja Blast. I do also want to say, I want to double down on your rec, though. That Watcher was a very, very good movie. I haven't gotten to see the chance to see Crimes of the Future yet. That's the next thing I'm really looking forward to watching. Me too. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Look at this riveting conversation. I concur. You concur? <laughs> Jason, when you recommended Watcher, I thought you... I thought you said Watchmen, and I was about to have an aneurysm, like <laughs> right here, fucking now. So yeah, I know I had seen this movie once before, um, on my own. Uh, you poor what about soul. the rest of you guys? Prior experience on this movie? I know we were all big fans of the first two Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I knew nothing about this movie until Jake mentioned to me that Richard Pryor was in it, and then I was immensely excited. And this was my first time seeing it. I I don't actually know. I'm pretty sure I've seen parts of it from when I was little, but like I can't. I I don't think it, within the given memory that I have that I've ever sat down and watched through this fully. And the only thing that I'm excited for is a Quest for Peace. Uh, don't know why. But we'll get there soon. Couple couple more episodes away. Almost there. Um, my experience is that I watched it when I was very young, and um. Uh, when we talked about Superman 3, I had a chill down my spine. And I got really bad vibes from this movie. And um, as the days grew closer, we had to watch it. I've gathered a series of flashbacks of specific scenes of I don't know why. There are three of them. One is where there was like a domino slapstick effect with uh, three phone booths. Um, there was another one, but I forget what it is. And I'm too lazy to remember it. And the the third one is... Um, is su- is uh superman fighting clark kent and superman going come on come on come on come on come on and that's it i feel like i have to preface every episode of this with like an audio warning one because our audio quality is shitty and two because i'm willing to bet i'm sure we all clip sometimes but i think matt on more than one occasion every episode probably does like has a moment like what just happened there with the come on <laughs> Matt destroyed his mic in one fell oh, well, we love the, you, Matt. the first the first one the first episode was supposed to be because I didn't know you could like pull your settings down like your volume settings down and so it was like toward the middle and so I was very loud the best part of your audio for that sentence probably is fucked up because Matt just kept pulling his mic back and forth closer and further from his ma- mouth as he talked, gesturing with his mic hand, with the hand that he is using to hold the mic, which has a stand. He doesn't have to hold it, um, just to paint a really clear picture of what's happening, um, on top of Matt not knowing how to adjust volume. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll, we'll jump right into it because, um, yeah, what else is there to do? So, uh, Superman, while Superman protects Metropolis, the Metropolis based conglomerate Websco hires Gus Gorman, a talented computer programmer, only he's really... It's really unclear if he's good at computer programming or lucky. Gus embezzles from his employer through salami slicing. Am I reading what? that right? That's not... Is that a term? I don't know. Is that... It must... It must be. I mean, because, like, he I just, just hacked into the mainframe <laughs> and fucking changed his yeah, fucking he didn't... numbers for his yeah. salary, man. He didn't... <laughs> I didn't see any salami I didn't, I didn't in see this any salami. <laughs> Oh, no, that's a term. Really? Salami slicing tactics, also known as salami slicing, salami tactics, the salami slice strategy, or salami attacks, and that was my nickname in high school, is a divide-and-conquer process of threats and alliances used to overcome opposition. With the, with the, an aggressor can influence and eventually dominate a landscape, typically political, in piecemeal fashion. Oh, yeah, he, so he, like, pulled money from different places and put it into his paycheck. See, I just, like, copy and paste the Wikipedia plot summary, and we, we run through it, um, and l- let's be honest, I don't read it ahead of time, because why would I? And I had never heard this time sal- term salami slicing, so I was like, what on it? You know, earth? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell Title my mixtape salami slicing tactics. <laughs> Do it. Um, which brings in the attention of CEO Ross Webster. Webster is intrigued by Gus's potential to help him financially. Webster, Webster, his sister Vera, and Webster's girlfriend Laura Lai, who's heavily implied to be a hooker, blackmail Gus into helping him. Now, the first thing I want to say right off the bat is this introductory paragraph does not do justice. Of that's about forty minutes of movie. This movie takes so long to get going. It's it's about two hours. Just, it's like two hours and five minutes, including credits. Probably about two hours, not including them uh, or so. And for so much of the movie, there's this whole extended opening sequence of all these like goofy shenanigans happening. I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck that meant. 
Like, Nothing. What, what was the point? There was no point. Salami slicing? No, no, not the salami slicing. That opening there scene was no... where they're having all the goofy shit going on. There was... I guess that he's helping people. He I didn't mean... help everybody, though. Yeah, that I was funny it, as I shit, though. I think it though. was just like... Uh, no, I... You thought it was fu I didn't... See, that's the thing. Is so much of this movie is slapstick comedy, and... I laugh at, like, I don't find any of it funny. I was laughing my ass off at that scene because I was like, there's no fucking point to this. But I, I don't know. I don't even think it's, like, bad good. I think it's just, like... It made no sense that it was so funny. I was just confused by it because you have all this shit going on where it's a bunch of people ending up in stupid situations or dumb things happening. And it was like, I get the, I get the joke, but, like, what I was expecting the whole time was Superman to fix all of these problems or stop some of that he does stop some of them or like fix some of them but not all of them some of them just continue to happen and it was like i i i would have gotten the opening more of it were like here's superman doing superman things being superman maybe if he had to be like frantically trying to like fix put one fire out after the other that would have made not, sense it's not particularly well choreographed it's not particularly well edited together where it's like coherent what's happening after what even though it's clearly supposed to be one thing leading to another and ultimately like an ongoing theme i think of like the criticisms we'll give this movie you, you can wave a hand wave it off of like oh this is a kid's movie and it's true this is definitely aimed at a young audience um and maybe a young audience would enjoy this more but you know what batman 1966 and the first two christopher reeves superman movies are also aimed at a young audience those are also kid movies but they still have like genuinely likable characters they still have a coherent plot they still are well written they're still good filmmaking techniques memorable shots great visuals great sets great costumes and like all of the well done stuff is stripped from this and it's just all the too much goofy slapstick turned up to 11 and it's i don't know i didn't find it funny i have to disagree with you i th i thought this scene was because it was just like a bunch of what do you call a person from Metropolis? Metropolian? I guess. Bunch of Metropolians just being dumb as fuck. Metropolitans? Metro a bunch Metro of Metropolitans. The New York Mets. The New York Mets were just being dumb as fuck. And it was so... I'm a, I have a big soft spot in my heart for comedy that's just based on things not making sense. But I don't even feel like it's supposed to be based on things. Like, it, it, none of it feels but like... But it doesn't matter, because that's what it accomplishes. I just disagree just like, that it accomplishes. I don't think it accomplishes anything. Useless information that we were kind of fed randomly in the beginning of a Superman But that's so funny. No they spent money making that scene. And it didn't make any sense. Well, I think that's the irony of it, is that they spent money making that scene that's hoping so it would funny. make sense, and then it didn't. Well, the thing is, is that I like to think that I am highly educated in slapstick humor, thanks to my uh, thanks to my uh, numerous VHS tapes of Tom and Jerry. And I like to say that that's some shitty slapstick right there yeah i'm with matt i mean it, it's one of those things i also just think about like how the other two start like if you look at like the opening on krypton for the original superman movie and then superman 2's um you get the recap as well as like in the theatrical cut you get the paris scene you get there's so much more to the opening it just feels like it's like they needed something on screen during the credits and it's i don't know it, it's too much of it and none of it really works for me i also want to get into gus gorman because he doesn't work for me either um richard Pryor's doing his damnedest and he's on kind of the white right wavelength i think but the wavelength is wrong in the first place jason's looking at me like he's richard Pryor was my favorite part of this movie that's fair enough honestly i mean i don't think he's good i know i thought he was spectacular but i think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing i think he knocked it out of the fucking park well let's get a little further in so that we can kind of discuss more more specifically so at the daily planet clark convinces perry white to let him and jimmy olsen visit smallville for clark's high school reunion well while fellow reporter and clark's unrequited romantic interest lois lane leaves for a bermuda vacation in route super as superman clark kent extinguishes the fire at a chemical plant containing unstable beltric acid which produces corrosive vapor when superheated at the reunion clark reunites with childhood friend lana lang a divorcee with a young son named ricky clark's harassed by brad wilson his former bully and lana's ex-boyfriend while visiting lana superman saves ricky from being killed by a combine harvester so 
one of the the fire sequence to me is another example of just inferior action set pieces compared to the previous movies and not even even i think isolating it from those movies watching it in a vacuum it's just not particularly exciting you have clark and Lo- and jimmy are hiding for in unknown reasons apparently they're not like they're not supposed to I don't know. They get off the bus and there's this fire, but it's just it's just not very interesting. I don't the stakes don't really feel realized to me. It's not enjoyable. The effects are kind of across the board in this movie a little bit worse. I don't know how you guys felt, but like that's a move that's a moment where it feels like the movie should be kicking off into something and it just doesn't do anything for me. I think that one of my biggest issues with this movie as a whole is that I just don't get like i understand that he was going to make an article about his like high school reunion reunion. i don't get why he would do that though or why that would be published in a newspaper especially a newspaper that's for metropolis yeah like if it was about if it was like a smallville newspaper and it was about like local you know goings on yeah it does it does seem a little like he's like oh i think it could be a terrific story and then his boss is like all right do it it does seem like a weird way to get him into smallville like you even could have just written in that he was just going to small like he took some time off i don't know i I mean it's not like the biggest issue in the world i just it just was confusing to me because i feel like it could have like you said made perfect sense if he just like went back to visit his hometown or go to his high school reunion but like it just seemed like a random thing to be like oh he's gonna write an article about it for a different city and ultimately the real like behind the scenes reason for all of it is the bad decision of with all the um issues between donner and the sulkins which we kind of talked about in the superman 2 episode uh two episodes ago which resulted in his firing and replacement with richard verlester on superman 2 um the removal of Margot Kidder to basically a cameo in this movie and the complete removal of Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor, which not that Lex Luthor has to be in everything, but I think it's a steep villain downgrade. It also seems like, obviously, it's a bit of a replacement. A lot of the characters just feel like replacements rather than actual characters yeah lana's lana's there because we can't have lois evil ceo man in this is there because we can't have lax and they those specifically gene hackman and margaret kidder were outspoken in support of richard donner they make the sulkins make a the decision of fuck you we have a big ego and we're gonna take out two of our stars and it really hurts the movie and i think that's as a result like the whole thing structures i don't know that you have even have the premise of clark going to smallville because there's no need ultimately gus gorman is originally in metropolis there's no need to get clark to smallville and i think it's fine if you want to set some of the movie there because that's a big part of the superman mythos but it's just kind of a waste of time because it doesn't it's not like getting him to smallville advances if typically if you're going to write that you wanted to advance the plot of him getting to Smallville is part of the reason why we ultimately get to the point B of Gus Gorman and the CEO, whose name I can't even remember because no one's no one new in this movie is really memorable, creating this computer, but it, it doesn't. He just ends up the, the the action and everything to go do with there doesn't have any reason to need to be in Smallville. They just needed a bunch of buildup to, you know, introduce these new characters, which are essentially replacements for, you know, better characters and so you know not that these better actors are you know no longer in the movie because producers have i don't want to say better actors i don't want to throw shade at like anybody involved okay okay better written characters yeah there we go that's the fix right there basically they have to introduce these two characters which are like shallow versions of the originals and we basically spend like the first like like 30 40 minutes just sitting sitting through like all these build-ups and these relationships like they just they replaced lois with lana and i'm gonna tell you that lois no lana can't replace the chemistry lois had with superman clark and that's a key factor because lana lang in the comics is a perfectly fine character but exactly it's just not the chemistry you hit it on the head exactly and mr ceo is like literally just rip off Lex Luthor. It like it it, it it has everything like the elaborate like you know the elaborate uh what was it? He has like elaborate like evil layers. 
yeah the office yeah exactly he has uh, oh my goodness i forgot about the office too he has like extravagant like extravagant stuff in his own building like lex lives underground but like part of it is like a pool and then and this guy is a sky uh skyscraper his freaking ceiling is like a ski resort which is kind of cool it is kind of cool but it'd be cool if it was lex exactly it's like they basically took lex luther but made him worse and i absolutely hate it infuriated by columbia's refusal to do business with him ross webster we now have a name <laughs> um orders gus to command vulcan uh an american weather satellite to create a tornado to destroy columbia's coffee crop allowing webster to corner the market gus travels to smallville to use a websco subsidiary to reprogram the satellite although vulcan creates a devastating storm superman neutralizes it and saves the harvest seeing superman as a legitimate threat to his plans webster orders gus to create a synthetic kryptonite gus uses vulcan to locate and analyze krypton krypton's debris as as one of the elements of krypton kryptonite is unknown he substitutes tar after glancing at his pack of cigarettes so and that's what i i think we mean by it being all kind of artificial how things get there him websco being sending him to smallville to to hack the satellite and they talk about how it's to basically avoid tracing it back to them but ultimately it, it feels like it feels like the decisions in the story are motivated by okay we can't have lois so we'll bring in lana okay well if lana's here we're gonna move it to smallville oh well he's in smallville i guess we have to have gus go to smallville because we should probably have him be in the same place as superman even though they really don't share a lot of screen time at all which is disappointing because while i'm not crazy about gus as a character and richard Pryor's place in this movie it feels like him he is a star in it and christopher reeves being the star it feels like maybe there should have been some actual interaction there between two talented people you know we forgot to talk about how guns gus oh my god gus johnson Gus, a, Gus, Gus Johnson? Oh, wait. You, are you referring to Brad, the drunk ex-boyfriend who kind of looks like the YouTuber Gus Johnson? Or are you no. referring to the character Gus, Gus Norman? Gus Norman. Gorman. 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 <laughs> what? Get it together. Gorman? Oh my Gorman. god. Gus, whatever. Who's on first? <laughs> yeah, whoever's first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is dead inside you you are one of a kind are you brother okay? <laughs> this movie killed me inside all right uh but yeah but gus whatever is we should forgot to mention <laughs> that uh he hacked the mainframe no sean mentioned that i think he did oh yeah okay never mind yeah, they, they have, you know, one of the worst examples of hacking in a movie ever, which, you know, fair enough, because it's a dumb kids movie. He just writes what he wants to do on the computer, exactly. and it happens. He literally, when he, uh, what was it? He's also a complete idiot, except he can do this. Exactly. Like, like he became a salami man by, like... <laughs> <laughs> By just like by just like writing in the computer, say uh, override his employee number, and that's he immediately gained access to it. And then, like according to Sean, right? Uh, back then, even back then, there were still multiple. Okay, for those who don't know, there are multiple computer languages, and the C evil CEO's plan is to override the entire world uh using gus to basically like what was it print like instructions to like harvest all like the country's oil or something yeah, like that yeah he's basically trying to like yeah. monopolize oil exactly but like there there are multiple computer languages and not all countries use the language of i want this give me this and i again i think that's one of those things that i i've already beat to death before but it's like these things become more frustrating and noticeable when your movie's bad if the movie was enjoyable and fun, things like that become a nitpick. But when it's not, your mind just kind of lingers on like, wait, what? And ultimately, I mean, you run into, you could have, a, I think, a potential like hint of a theme at Gus being taken advantage of um, as an unemployed person of color by a really rich dude who like the Ross Webster, the CEO, has a line to gus when gus adds to his paycheck about not liking greed while he's in this like penthouse office 
but they don't go anywhere with it. Gus doesn't really necessarily have a motive. Like, he's just kind of, like, unemployed, so he gets a... He, like, wackily finds his way to this job, and then, like, luckily hacks the system and increases his paycheck. He doesn't have... He's just kind of a goof. Um, and the CEO is just mustache-twirly evil, I want oil. And there's... It, it, nothing hap... Which is, you know, realistic. But nothing happens no one does anything gus seems to like happily go along with the evil plans until like jumping ahead the end and is just there he's kind of just there to be richard pryor which like richard pryor himself is enjoyable but it's not enough to sustain a movie and it feels out of place because there's no nothing surrounding it such an empty movie yeah i still don't get gus's character entirely i mean like because like everything that happens with him is that he goes like you know he hasn't had a job for a while because it's like they make it that it's out that it's like it's his problem that he sucks at working and doesn't want to work and then they're like he's just like apparently not good at any of the jobs he does suddenly he's really good at like computer programming and then also is, like, just going along with everything that's happening and is, like, fine with the idea of essentially killing Superman when they eventually get to it, uh, which I forget when, like, it, it's just weird because it's, like, partway through, he knows what they're doing to Superman. He knows what he's doing is not good for Superman, that, like, when he's writing up to, like, figure out what's in Kryptonite, that he's, like, the end goal is to kill Superman. And then by the end, he's just, like... 180s and is like mm -hmm, but he's superman and it's just and then like i don't i just find it weird that also like in the end he's like they make it very clear that he like wants a job and then superman gives him a job essentially and he just goes no and he even like he looks so appreciative of superman for he like looks at superman he's like wow thanks man and then he's like nah i'm good like i get the joke it's kind of it's funny i guess but like i'm just confused as to where his character stands and what he does because he seems to flip-flop a lot and i just didn't really like follow they can't decide if he's a genius or an idiot they can't decide if he's good or bad what his intentions are if he's aware of his situation or not like i can't i can't tell if he's like a selfish person or if he's like i, I think the whole character rides on Pryor's charisma which he has plenty but it feels like they almost wrote almost nothing and just were like they they had like the most bare bones here's a down on his luck guy who gets roped into this you do you and no matter how good he is when nothing else around him is like written thoughtfully he can only like he can't salvage all of that even if he's kind of like sort of weirdly fun to watch on screen it's still just i'm disengaged because i don't care about gus i don't i don't feel bad for him i don't feel i, just, I feel nothing yeah i'm like completely apathetic to like 99 percent of this movie yeah i feel bad because it's like i don't want to completely shit on this movie for like it has some funny moments there's some fucking gags that are great throughout it um but like i don't it inherently suffers from a lot of very big issues and i'm try i don't want to try and like nitpick shit and be like oh well there there were multiple programming languages back in the 1980s and what the fuck how is he connecting to everything how did he hack into the mainframe what's going on here i don't want to focus on that shit because it's just like inherently there's a lot of larger issues at play in this movie that they should have kept in the oven to actually you know make it work uh with a lot of it being just that like you know yeah you have the writing where it's just they they really seem to have jumped the gun on a lot of things and just kind of went with what they had more than you know letting things sit and working on you know the concepts that you have it seems more like they threw shit at a board and kind of were like with the bare bones that they had said okay this is great let's move forward uh rather than like you know sit there and think things through and it just it I, again i know it, it seems partially like a lot of the issues are like we said prior that like it's just uh they couldn't get some of the people back or they didn't want some of the people back i should say uh some of their bigger stars so it just kind of like it a lot of that 
affects it. A lot of the writing affects it. It just seems like they didn't have the right people on board. It kind of is weird because this, I think this one is the one that does, this one doesn't have Mario Puzo on it at all, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, it's just so, I, I think inherently the, the problem when it comes down to it is just the writing. There's, there's no, I, you have so many actors that are great in it that I feel like even, even the ones that are essentially playing knockoffs of other characters are still decent to good actors and they're nobody's terrible in this it's just you have so many issues when it came to writing the screenplay the characters everything has it just seems to boil down to the writing i don't even think there was like anything weird in terms of like cinematography aside from like some weird special effects which i think is just the issue of probably them not putting enough into the budget for that but otherwise inherently it just feels like those were like my bigger issues with it is and you see them right from the start which is why it's like it's something that like it's noticeable not that far into the movie and by the time you're 40 minutes in you don't know anything anyway so it's like i i just inherently find that this movie has a lot of glaring issues i feel like a lot of there's certain and i didn't like dislike this movie as much as you guys did i did find it a bit enjoyable um that being said though i think there are definitely times where it like almost feels like i don't know the only way i can put it is like it feels like they made it because they had to make a movie not because they were trying to make a good superman movie like it just felt like the studio was like oh we need another movie out oh superman did well make this i guess <laughs> still happens to this day well yeah i do want to hear more of your positives on the movie one because i don't i don't like searing so hard negative it's just hard not to do for me for something like this and i'm intrigued by what you enjoyed but i do want to speed through a little bit more plot first um to keep it moving and just to kind of really get a full picture before you get into that so alana convinces superman to appear at rick's birthday party but smallville turns it into a town celebration gus and vera disguise as army officers give superman the flawed kryptonite as an award instead of the crypt kryptonite killing him as webster intended superman becomes selfish his desire for lana causes him to delay rescuing a truck driver from a jackknife rig um rig hanging from a bridge the hero commits petty acts of vandalism such as straightening the leaning tower of pisa and blowing out the olympic flame gus war asks webster to build the world's most sophisticated supercomputer the ceo agrees if gus creates an energy crisis by directing all oil tanks to the middle of the atlantic ocean when the captain of one tanker insists on maintaining his original course, Lorelai seduces Superman, persuading him to waylay, waylay the tanker and breach its double hull, causing an oil spill. The villains decamp to the excuse me, I had to burp to the supercomputer's location in Glen Canyon. Why did you say that? Like I, I don't know. It's just how it came out of me. Had to burp. <laughs> I, I had to say it like that. Uh, Superman suffers a nervous breakdown and is split into two beings, the immoral, corrupted, dark Superman and the moral, mild-mannered Clark Kent. The two fight in a junkyard with Clark Kent eventually gaining the upper hand and defeating his evil self. Regaining his sanity, Superman repairs the damage he caused in the oil spill and heads west to deal with the villains. After defending her himself from exploding rockets and an ASL ALM missile... Superman confronts Webster, Vera, and Lorelai. The supercomputer quickly identifies Superman's weakness and unleashes a pure a beam of pure kryptonite. So, I do think one of the more enjoyable parts of the movie is, quote, like, quote-unquote, evil Superman, because he's really just, like, a prankster. He's just a dick. That's this, it. We said this while watching it, but it's almost like the original Bully Maguire. Like, he just, like, it, like it describes what he does. The, P, the leading tower of Pisa, which is, like, to me, the funniest gag in the movie is him fixing it and this little shop salesman selling, like, statues of it, getting pissed off and, like, giving him the, the like, you know, the thumb, the Italian middle finger, fuck you. Um, really genuinely makes me laugh. Really funny bit. Um, and as a whole, it's like, Christopher Reeve, you can tell... For all the issues of this movie, is fucking giving it his all. He's not phoning it in as much as he could be. Like, it'd be so easy for him to just catch the paycheck, but he's really giving it his all. And it does seem like he's kind of having fun when he gets to be, like, grumpy, moody, you know, sort of douchey Superman. It's just so funny, because I, I love that they didn't go, like, full-on evil with it. Like, he's evil Superman, but it's not like he's, like, 
you know, really like hurting anyone or like beat like beating people or or anything. Like he's just kind of doing like mundane dickish things. <laughs> That's why I like I like the implication of it that Superman's just so good that it's like this is him at his worst. This is him being evil. Him at his worst is just like kind oh, of a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> Just the kind of guy that you see on the street and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck that guy. And go about your day. I think thinking of it that way makes it ten times more hilarious to watch all of the gags going on. Because it's just like, this is, this, he's just evil. He's just, this is just, like, I can't. The best thing is, it's like, to me, I feel like he still has, like, a certain demeanor as if he's, like, super evil. Like, he, like, blows out the, the torch and he's like, huh, fuck you. But it's like, he's still, like, not doing anything that bad. But no he carries actually, himself as if he is, almost. No one's actually harmed by the action. It's just, like, inconveniences. And he's just like, I got you. The fucking face of the guy when the torch got blown out was so sad. He's, like, so traumatized by it that he's like... What what's going on? What have I done? And I also love Superman's face when he blows it out because he just like he just like yawns and then he's like oh yeah, whatever. He has such a like a such a smug looking face after that. He had like he had this like smug swagger the whole time that he was evil Superman. That was just so entertaining. I still think it would have been so much better if he just peed the flame out. That would have been funnier if he was just like, all right, unzips, drops trail. Like, the worst thing evil Superman does is just go to an oil rig and just dump all the oil out. Oh, yeah, that is pretty bad. That's the only one that causes a lot of environmental damage. <gasps> we forgot about that part. That's fucking evil. Exactly. So, like, there was this woman... Okay, so it turns out it's the hooker. Lorelai. Yeah, more or less. Uh, no, that's not what he said. Lorelai, more or less. Her name is Lorelai. Oh, Lorelai. Matt <laughs> 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 is on one. <laughs> Sometimes I think he has to be fucking with me. I swear I'm not. <laughs> Matt, don't ever change. <laughs> it's impossible at this point. <laughs> yeah, more or less. I just can't. <laughs> It, as as said in the plot summary, he gets he gets seduced into causing an oil spill. <laughs> I, just, I can't get over that. <laughs> Laurel, it, more or less. <laughs> Me and Matt are devolving into like a really shitty ripoff of Abbott and Costello. Wow. I can't fucking do this shit. <laughs> I just know nobody who's theoretically listening finds this half as funny as we do. It's only but funny I'm... if you know Matt like that. But it's one of those things, I, I, I know, like, going forward, we're going to be like, remember the time Jake said Lorelai and Matt said, yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, something about the full confidence that he had. He's like, yeah, more or less. <laughs> then the three of us just looked at each other like bro that's not what he said brother <laughs> oh my god I've said this before not on the pod but what Matt needs to start doing is anytime we laugh at him for not hearing something right or for misspeaking he needs to go I speak two languages yeah that's fair <laughs> Because he speaks too loud. We're all dumb Americans. We're all dumber than him. And it's not even close. Uh, <sighs> anyway. <laughs> the, um, more or less. <laughs> more or less. One of the biggest issues. Um, the more, one of the issues I do have, though, with the movie is with the pacing and the framing of events. It's very unclear how much time has passed. Like, there's lines about how he starts doing these antics and then, like, the entire world except Columbia, because he saved them earlier in the movie from the storm, has, like, voted to, like, censure him. Which I don't really understand, like the logistics of that but how much time has passed and then they build this supercomputer and it's like well how long did that take it all feels in the context of the movie like it's been at most like a weekend but it also seems like it had to have been longer than that and they don't everyone acts like it's been a day or two at most but the events of the movie on that unfold seem like it shouldn't be and it's just really unclear in a way that just makes the movie feel very long in the worst way it definitely like it there were events that took place that implied the passage of time but they never actually displayed that the time was passing or how much time passed 
So it just like I'm like they built a like massive supercomputer. So logically, you think like, oh, that would take a while to build. Time must have passed. But it's not like carried in a way that makes it feel like time did pass. Like they just walk into this area and there's a computer there, and it's just like things just kind of happen without them acknowledging time in any way it's weird and it's like discombobulating can we also talk about the scene where like superman's getting shot at by the missiles and like they show it felt so weird seeing it go from like scenes of like him flying through the air and there being explosions in the background to like the computer the computer where it's like a game of superman avoiding missiles it it, well it didn't show superman avoiding missiles first first like when they were shooting missiles they just cut to like what seemed to be like a camera following superman and then we realized like holy shit they're just playing like a nes superman game and that for some fucking reason, they get points for missing Superman. So it's a shitty game, too. <laughs> Matt's really going in. This game fucking sucks. <laughs> this game doesn't exist, and it fucking sucks. Worse, I, I said it's worse than Superman 64. That's what I'm saying. And we are not going that far, Jim. I don't even know. I've never heard of it's Superman. It's notoriously like one of the worst video games ever. Like, look it up. It's, it's, it's like a completely broken game. Just to tell you how much they didn't give a shit about that game, it doesn't even have a title it just has a picture of superman like you know doing his iconic like grip the shirt there's a there's a superman emblem there and that's it it doesn't even have a title yeah superman 64 is just kind of what it's like referred right yes okay cool yeah i don't know matt knows a lot more about video games than me as the sean it's similar to how uh sonic the hedgehog that released in 2006 is called sonic 06 because it's just called sonic the hedgehog but it's shit, so no one wants to call it that. So it's Sonic 06. Or a much better game, but Spider-Man PS4 is just Spider-Man, but people call it... I use the PS4 as an identifying factor. I also feel like we should talk about the this the Clark versus evil super... I, I don't feel right calling him evil Superman, because he's just really, like, mildly dicky Superman. Because the Looney Tunes shit that happens in that junkyard is so far off the rails and goes on for far too long, especially when they culminating in the most Looney Tunes thing of the dropping of the magnet, the car magnet on Clark, where he and he just kind of smushes into the ground. And I, I don't remember who said it, but like you're half expecting him to come up looking like an accordion. Like, that was you? That was Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that fight is, again, as, as much as Christopher Reeve is, is doing his best in both roles there it's just it's like again it's like they didn't like they're like they like came to the conclusion that like not enough had happened so we're gonna have this fight and we gotta pad it out it's just none of it's good it's really not um except for reeve himself it's just like 80 percent of the superman being the shit of clark kent and clark kent like you know getting out of all the traps superman put him in and only in the final sequence to like he like actually fights back and like puts superman a chokehold and so that's really it it's it's a little bit disappointing because like the first one the first superman movie didn't have that much action i would say it was a lot more of like things happening and superman doing stuff because of that there wasn't like action but it was still enjoyable and the set pieces were still great and everything that they did was fantastic and then the second one had a little bit more action to it at least and this third one feels like some weird like step backwards from both of those despite like trying to do things and that's where it's like I don't know what it is. It just feels uncomfortable to have gone from like the first one didn't have that much action. It was still good. This the third one does not have that much action and it is not good. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing is uh There's there's no real there's no real big like set piece of like I mean I guess like the the big set piece is supposed to be like the computer at the end and Superman versus evil Superman, I guess. But it's just a boring looking computer in a cave with a bunch of characters you don't care about that doesn't look cool. It's not him holding up a fault line or reversing time or fighting three other Kryptonians in the middle of a populated city. Yeah, it seems like the prior the movies prior tried to build up like thing like they had they knew they had to go bigger and better with each set piece so like you know it, it just doesn't feel like this one 
took it a step further if anything it took the whole thing a step backwards because it's like yeah it's a computer in a cave but like and the stakes are set to a degree because obviously everything with the oil but like there's nothing that's like the average person walking around metropolis is affected by at all so you don't really get a scope of anything that's going on it's just this contained little thing inside a cave is where all the issues are happening and nothing outside is particularly affected except for like you know the fucking boats filled with oil that are in the middle of the water doing absolutely fuck all at the moment you're right that's it you don't see impact on people the way you do in the first two well that's why it's like i the second one was so interesting because you see i just fucking had a voice crack but like the second one was super interesting because it was like you see all the effects of everything happening to humans and everything going on and how that affects superman because the entirety of the point of like superman part of superman i should say is a lot of seeing like his relationship with humanity and his relationship with humans and you don't really get any of that in this Especially since, like, you really don't see his interactions with, like... I, 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 I put it as, like, humanity as a character in any any Superman story, mythos, whatever. Uh, but you don't really see much of an interaction with Superman and humanity in this. It's more Superman and these random characters that he happens to be dealing it's with. It's pretty much just him and Lana. He, ba- he barely interacts with the villains until the end. He doesn't have Lois. He doesn't have Jimmy. He doesn't have... For most of the movie, you're right. It's... It's weird. Even during and even during the final, like during the third act, Lana's pretty much missing. Not that I cared that much about her to begin with in this movie, but she's just like not present for the climax of the movie. She got trapped in the subway, and then well, like yeah, there's like one shot move of her on. in the subway, and that's it. Compare and again compare that to like this having Lois be so present during the ends of the first two movies, and him ultimately her dying in the first one, and him reversing time, her being there you know, be her life being threatened by Ursa in the second one, that stakes that's provided there, the complete absence of Lana um, as the new love interest in this movie, which we've already talked about not having anywhere near the chemistry or tension that Kidder and Reeve had um, between Lois and Clark, and it just doesn't help when she just disappears for the end of the movie. So from there, guilt-ridden and horrified, seemingly out of the blue, by the notion of going down as in history as the man who killed Superman, Gus destroys the kryptonite ray with a firefighter's axe. Superman escapes, but the computer becomes self-aware, defending itself against Gus's attempts to disable it. The computer transforms Vera Webster, Webster into a cyborg that attacks her brother and Lorelai with beams of energy that immobilize them. For a second, it seems like maybe this is going to be cool, but it's really not. Don't worry. Um, Superman returns with Beltric Acid, which the, from the earlier fire, which the supercomputer believes is not dangerous, the, in, for some reason, the intense heat emitted by the supercomputer causes the acid to become volatile, destroying it. Superman leaves Webster and his cronies for author- the authorities and drops Gus off at a West Virginia coal mine, recommending him to the company as a computer programmer, um, which... I think Sean previously mentioned he then decides to not take that job. He decides to take to not take that job and walk nine miles away to get to the next bus stop. I mean, we've already talked about it mostly, but it's just not a good finale. It's not tense. It doesn't have the spectacle that the other ones have. It doesn't even have a spectacle, I think, and I think in isolation. It's not particularly there. There's like a brief moment of the computer absorbing um, Vera, but... It doesn't really do it in a way that's, like, compelling. The effects look kind of briefly like, ooh, this is kind of creepy. But then she just becomes, like, a silver woman shooting beams. And because you don't care about the characters in the room, it's like, why why should I care about this? It does, there's no tension. You know, I this is going to be me being nitpicky. The Well, like, so the supercomputer is able to create a ray of kryptonite. The, the not-brainiac supercomputer is able to create a ray of kryptonite. So it knows what that missing piece was from like midway through the movie so why don't they just get the supercomputer to tell them what it is so that they can just recreate kryptonite anyways because you have the supercomputer has the answer because it's able to recreate it so like i need answers <laughs> and then like what confuses me even more I-, I i cut you off but like what confuses me even more is that like it's able to find this mysterious unknown element that is needed to determine the makeup of kryptonite to kill superman but it doesn't know what acid is and that it's harmful something that immediately exists on earth yeah movies should follow at least its own internal logic and it really doesn't do that 
Um, it's and, and like again, given how kind of uneventful and lame the fire scene is, it doesn't feel like that rewarding of a payoff that he solves the solution with the Veltric acid. I, I do wonder if some again, I wonder if some of this. I think Donner's original plans when he was intending to be on this franchise for much longer than he was, was to include Brainiac and Superman three. I don't know how much was done in terms of an outline, but I wonder if any of this with the supercomputer was like the most bare bones taking from that and just being like lazy fuck it. I guess there's a computer. It doesn't. Again, it's maybe that's not it. Maybe this is totally, I don't want to say original because it's not, but it's just not. But, like, you, you you look at the movie and you're baffled by just, it feels like the sheer lack of care that was put in, um, at the very least, at the high-up producer, like, the people who owned the film rights, the Salkins level. Just a sheer lack of caring. I don't know for sure. I don't know Richard Lester. I don't know what was Robert pa- Painter. Like, I don't I don't want to drag these people who's, who's the other one. I don't know that well and who like personally like I don't know what level of effort they put into this movie but it certainly comes across like it was low effort and some of that could and I think it starts from the top down with why this movie was made and the vendettas that were made and the decisions to move on from Donner and Kidder and Hackman and seemingly just pump out a heartless script relying on the big ass selling it and it's a shame because I think this is an all-time this after the first two movies you have a potential all-time trilogy here but you kind of fuck up you you, you fumble the bag a little bit with Superman 2 not getting to film a proper ending for it and then you I think you fumble it entirely here I do think it's very Superman-y for him to forgive Gus and try to get Gus a job. I, I like that. Again, the, the Gus not taking the job thing could have been funny if I had a better grasp on like, oh, that's Gus, you know, doing shit like that. But I have no grasp on what that character is. Um, as Sean mentioned earlier, but you know, it is a nice touch for Superman to do that. Even if Gus's heel turn, reverse heel turn into helping Superman at the end feels pretty out of nowhere. At least Lorelai, you start sympathizing with him, like slept with him, you know, even though Clark then says it wasn't him. I don't know. It seems like they just wanted to try to walk back the decision to have him sleep with a random woman. Well, no, because it it was evil Superman, which was also him, but it wasn't his true self. He's like, oh, it's drunk. So, you know, doesn't count i wasn't even me last night (laughs) (laughs) bro i was so gone (laughs) oh i wish i was drunk um we could have been yeah i wasn't feeling it it's not worth it this movie doesn't deserve drunk jake doesn't deserve drunk any of us so as clark and super as clark superman visits lana after she moves to metropolis a drunken brad appears and attacks clark after mistakenly believing he was proposing to her but the reporter defeats him without revealing his secret identity this movie really really is pushing the whole nobody figures out clark a superman thing um with like superman showing up in the middle of a field out of nowhere to save lana's kid and superman's only been in metropolis before but now he's like it's just and again i don't care that much but it is just kind of funny like i think so far of what we've seen this is the most past the point of comedy into absurdity level of stretching the your belief in that that i'm not noticing or realizing putting it together ah where was i with that reason identity lana's new job as perry white's secretary surprises lois lane who reappears for one more scene um returning from her vacation with a really bad tan about corruption in bermuda and has a newfound respect for clark after reading his story that spectacular high school reunion story while she was doing corruption in bermuda before lunch with lana superman restores the leaning tower of pisa um completing the best gag honestly in all three of these movies as bad as this one is i cracks me up him fix then fixing the tower making it leaning again right as the shop merchant gets new statues of a straight pisa and flies into the sunrise for further adventures oh he also gives a diamond ring to lana but wasn't proposing i guess because that was weird yeah so that's the movie i kind of want to just circle it to jason and hear what it is we've all been very negative on the movie i'd like to hear jason's thoughts as to why you were more positive than the rest of us on this well jacob let me tell you something i don't know i found i found it very entertaining i just did i thought it was very funny at times i thought it was fun to watch and i'm you know i am aware that you know it wasn't the best quality of movie it definitely is the least impactful as a movie in terms of the three superman movies we've watched it's you know it's less fantastic imagery it's less of a great story um with that being said though like i just 
I th- I think there's like a part of me who appreciates art in a in a way that I like where I can see that it's less than that and I don't think that it's artistically on that same level but then there's also a part of me that I just like I just enjoy watching movies and if they make me laugh I enjoyed it and if I felt like I had a good time watching it then I feel like it's a good movie and I had a good time watching this movie See, the, the, I think that's where I, I I wonder specifically of like would you would you describe this as like again like you said you had a good time watching it ergo it's a good movie or is it like i I don't personally i think i think the whole ironic i'm watching this ironically thing is bullshit if you like something you fucking like something stop being ashamed of it uh generally speaking obviously um but like within like movies and shit like that to be like oh i'm watching an ironic like oh i watch riverdale ironically like you fucking watch riverdale just own it would you say that this is something that again in your mind like it accomplishes it's what it's out to do it's a good movie it's a fun time or is it is it a so bad it's good thing i like i wouldn't say it's a so bad it's good thing i don't necessarily think it accomplished exactly what it was going for Though I do think, like, it, I think it definitely was taking a less serious approach to the movies. Not that the first two were, like, ultra-serious, but they definitely were more, like, heartfelt and more, you know, real, in a sense. Like, it, there, there was real character development and real relationships going on, where this didn't really have that. So I do think that it accomplished doing something much, much lighter and not necessary and like goofier and i uh, and i enjoyed watching that you're you'd say you're laughing at the comedy not laugh of like what it is you're not laughing at it because it's bad yeah i thought i thought richard like anytime richard pryor was on the screen like obviously like and no disrespect to richard pryor he was a he's he was a he's a legend to this day he was a fantastic comedian and actor Obviously, like, this isn't in an ideal role for him, though. Like, this is, like, being a supervillain isn't necessarily something you'd expect for him. That being said, I think he did the, I think he did it in his own way very well, and I think he was very charismatic and fun to watch in this movie. I mean, I appreciate the, the, the perspective and, and the positivity. I mean, yeah, in, in my eyes, it's like, if, whether it's a so bad it's good thing or even if you acknowledge that it's not that great but you enjoy it for what it is in my eyes if you would get enjoyment out of something it's good good to you it's good yeah if like and i agree with you like i don't believe in like guilty pleasures in any form whether it be music movies any kind of art medium because it's like just it should just be a pleasure just enjoy it for what you see out of it and i don't think that it's you know, I, I, I'm always just, I try to see the best in things, no matter what. Some things I just don't see that in, or it doesn't make it good enough for me to enjoy it. But this was something I, I did enjoy watching. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I definitely want to echo, I mean, it's nice to have an episode of this where there is somebody with a differentiating opinion where one of us does say, like, I like this when the rest of us didn't, or vice versa, because we haven't really had that till this point, and I also just, I I would hope that, like, just in general, for me, for anyone, if someone likes something and you don't like it, cool, no big deal, glad you enjoyed it, wish I did too, and if, you know, and if it's the flipped, if it's the reverse, what's the big deal, you know, you don't like something, move on, it's no big deal. It's lame to not to not want to like something liking things is always more fun but it's but you also shouldn't if you don't like something you just don't like it and you shouldn't like try to force yourself to like it or keep shitting on it because you don't like it it's just like shit like this is subjective you like some of it you don't like others that's what it is i'd like to add to that that part of the enjoyment to me out of movies in general or just anything in life is that having the bad things makes the good things better because you can tell the difference at any given moment and you can't really have good without a bad i guess and i don't think this movie is the worst thing in the world by any means. it's definitely not (laughs) definitely not it's at least it's competent in what it does in some areas, but, like, uh, it's just, it's it's good to put it into perspective that, like, you know, without a bad movie, in your own opinion, something that you didn't enjoy, there wouldn't be things that you do enjoy, which I think makes it a little bit more, like, it's nice to have, like, those movies that, you know, just, it's nice to have bad movies, and it's nice to have good movies. <laughs> like, a movie like this, where it's not the greatest movie, but I really like it, it's like, okay, I've seen The Godfather, and that's a ten times better movie than than this. I got much more enjoyment out of it, but sometimes if I just want to, like, 
watch something fun and not like have to really pay attention to it and just enjoy it like this is something i could watch and enjoy yeah the godfather doesn't have richard Pryor skiing down a building yeah um, exactly i i mean i don't want to belabor the point um so i guess we'll you know we'll kind of do our usual wrap-up favorite least favorite would you recommend and i mean my favorite thing would have to be the leading tower of peas a bit that that shit cracked me up more than anything i think i've seen in any of the movies thus far um that's like a genuinely good joke um, the frustration of that fucking shop owner. Uh, least favorite thing. I mean, I think, it, it, I think to me, the biggest issue, and there's a lot, like I said, you can point to the, the, the replacement of Gene Hackman, um, of Lex with, um, with, uh, Webster of Lois with Lana. But to me, the biggest issue is you don't really have a central villain. You, you're going from the first two movies that have such a strong presence of Hackman and, um, um, between, uh, Lex and, and Zod to something where you know no one's webster's you know not really much of a character he's just kind of evil rich dude and not in a fun as fun or as interesting of a way as lex and richard Pryor, for all the good he's doing and all that he's trying is just kind of gus isn't interesting and i didn't find it particularly funny and i think you really feel the absence of conflict as a result and it really catches up with the movie before long and i started to disengage fairly early and it makes it hard it's almost playing catch up the rest of the way oh uh, i wouldn't recommend it i i'm saying if you're watching these things you stop at superman 2 i just don't think it adds anything um but yeah it's it's not the worst i i i would prefer this over swamp thing believe it or not i feel like i've been harsher on this than i was on swamp thing but probably just because it feels like such a steep downgrade from the first two reeves movies whereas swamp thing was like because it was the first Swamp Thing movie, there wasn't this, like, iconic thing before it that you're measuring it against. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is really bad. It's my second least favorite thing we've watched so far for this. Um, I wouldn't recommend. My favorite thing about the movie was Richard Pryor's performance, to be honest. I thought, like, even though I didn't think the character could have been written much better at certain points, I was very pleasantly surprised with his performance as the character. I think he made the character as interesting as he could just as the actor. And, you know, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised, not because Richard Pryor isn't incredibly talented, not because I don't think he's capable, just because this isn't something you'd typically think for him to be playing. You wouldn't think to him of him as a villain in a superhero movie. So I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought he was very entertaining, the whole movie. Um, my least favorite part was was just the finale as a whole like the whole like that fight scene in the cave with the supercomputer was just kind of like a mess of things happening i felt like and it just and i think some that somewhat suffered because like you said there wasn't really a central villain so there wasn't really someone for superman to be up against it was just kind of like them all there with the computer uh, and it was just kind of meh to me so yeah and i would recommend this I forgot that part almost, but I would recommend this movie. I quite enjoyed it. It's not the greatest thing, but if you want to just enjoy it, I think it's enjoyable. I guess we're on to me now. Uh, my favorite thing is, give me a second. I need to think about it. Um, well, why don't we circle back to you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> think on that, Matt. <laughs> think, think on that, Matt. Think, think. I'm going to give my favorite part of this movie to um uh i want to say the goofiness just the goofy tone of it at times it's uh, the campiness of it is actually really good and i do genuinely love it because like you know you have the leaning tower piece of joke you have certain things like that and this that i think that like them leaning hard into it was hilarious at times where it was like i really like that obviously some of the slapstick slapstick stuff really does not land but like i think if they focused more on it, it could be fantastic jokes. Like, if if you did more shit like the Leaning Tower of Pisa stuff, that'd be hilarious. Um, but, like, uh, so I'd say that's definitely my favorite part. Worst part would probably be, like, the. to me, it's just the writing. It's the writing. It's hands down the writing. Anything to do with, like, just the way the characters are written, the way the screenplay was written. I'll, just, a lot of it just doesn't land, and a lot of the way that it's, like pace the way that it's like made out that like you don't really understand the time frame between events anything it just really it makes a lot of everything fall flat and it makes you not care for the characters so it like it, it misses the mark on that would i recommend it uh probably not i will at least say that like i same with you jake uh it 
it probably sits at like this is my second least favorite thing that we've watched so far uh which is it's it that it's accomplished a fair amount uh by doing that but also like this isn't this probably is not going to be the that far down on the list as we go further on hey back to you buddy what you got for us here we go well the thing i liked the most was probably bad guy superman mostly because he just didn't give a shit about anything had a smug attitude with with everything and only like the most of the evil things he did are the equivalent of like middle schooler pranks and i love it that's how that's like as far evil as he goes what kind of middle schoolers are you talking about that were destroying oil tankers and releasing oil into the <laughs> ocean matt <laughs> all right well good, good, good point never we're down to one least favorite. uh least favorite is uh lana because uh they ruined uh something that was perfect and i hate it I hate every second of it. Gonna go out on a limb and say you don't recommend. No. Alright, well on that resounding note, I want to say thank you to Alo Ren for our artwork. A-Y-E-L-O-W-R-E-N on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at JakeWalter98 for ill-advised movie opinions. Jason, plug away. I make music and boys, the bit is over. The music is on the Google Drive. <laughs> Pins and Needles is a finished song, except it's not mixed yet. But once it's mixed, I'll put it out at some point. I don't fucking know when. I still don't think it's it real. It is real. I have the file on my laptop. <laughs> don't you have like a mixtape coming to it? Uh, yeah, I want to put together a little EP. I'm between two titles for what the what it's going to be, but it's going to be like four or five songs, just a little something some this summer. Don't know when, because I still have to record those songs. I have lyrics written, but nothing actually recorded. So that being said, I made the intro-outro music. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore upsides PA, um, on Instagram, the upsides PA, and on SoundCloud, just the upsides. All right. If you're interested in continuing to check this out, uh, you can follow, check us out. You can follow us at illiterate underscore pod. That's the same at for both Twitter and Instagram. You can reach us at culture illiterate pod at gmail.com with any uh, questions or comments, any thoughts. Uh, feel free to leave a review. All episodes will be on YouTube as well. The channel name is culture illiterate podcast. We are still doing bi-weekly episodes for now. Um, so if you're watching along with us, we're going to be talking about Supergirl next in two weeks. Thank you for listening, and we will talk with you again next time.